Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Four, three, two, one. I told you before to be careful where you put your legs. I was only trying to be helpful. I can help myself. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come on! Come on! For seven decades, Michael Caine has been among the world's most renowned and recognisable actors. It was just what I needed, a one-inch god with a two-inch penis. The star of classics like Zulu, The Man Who Would Be King and The Cider House Rules. It's a miracle no one was killed. But also films that brought his career to the brink of complete implosion. I made a mistake. Somehow, he has always found a way back. You're a big man, but you're in bad shape. With me, it's a full-time job. In this epic podcast series, we will watch and review every Michael Caine movie, from the greatest hits... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! ...to the incredible misses. You failed to maintain your weapon, son. And take a deep dive into the life and work of one of the world's most recognisable film stars. His name is Michael Caine, and no one will forget his name. Behave yourself. To understand... How he has made the mark of Cain. Well, you all settled in? Right, we can begin. For God's sake, come in! Hello and welcome to the latest edition of The Mark of Cain, our ongoing safari through the filmography of Michael Cain, from the majesty of his greatest moments to the steaming wild animal dung heaps that often surround those wonderful hits. But we shy away from none of it. My name is Michael Foley and joining me as always to swat away the flies is Stephen Black of the Mallow News Twitter feed. We've seen some things, Stephen. We've seen some things. We have, and we're just like uh, Laura Dern in Jurassic Park. We're, we're, we're not above sticking our hand deep, deep into that dung pile to, to tell you what ails uh, this particular uh, <laughs> film, cinematic dinosaur. Come on, let's bash this fucking metaphor to you, death. Come you, on, we can you, do it. You have clubbed it. You have clubbed it to beyond an inch of its life. Yeah, um, we're he's off to somewhere else, even more exotic today. I was actually counting up all the places he's been, right, since 1964 and Zulu, right? So to date, okay, he's visited South Africa, the Singapore. He's been to the Philippines, Berlin, Helsinki, Spain a couple of times, Malta, Scotland, France, Italy, Newcastle. I'm putting Newcastle in there, you know. Well, it fe- it's, it's a separate country, yeah. It feels like it anyway. Austria. Uh, the American Deep South, and today he's off to Kenya, of all places. So he's having a right. He's like, I mean, you know, in 11 years, that's a fair old. I mean, the old passport's fairly buzzing with stamps. Yep. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> great. When okay. you've listed all the places, what are we going to go? Well, actually, Michael, you've left out a number of, uh, <laughs> a number of countries there. I'm going to pull you up on that now to make you appear unprofessional. Well, there's a, I put it this way. All right. Okay. The, the, all those places he's been to, but he's never been to me. I don't mean me, me specifically. I mean me, him. Yes. If you know what I mean. True. He's yes, never been I, to him. I get you. Him. Yeah. There. I think yeah. that, yeah, I mean, some of those places he picked for, for luxury, some places he picked for convenience, some places he I picked... Get a, I get a feeling there's going to be an awful lot more of the uh, locations for convenience as we as we continue yeah. our safari, as you say. Yeah, there's going to be a lot more Georges Sank Hotel in Paris, like he did for the last one, the Marseille contract. But as I say, we're in Kenya now, and this feels... I don't know. We we get into this now, but if this this feels more like a sort of um, yeah, yeah. I I, I think he was kind of switched on for this one. This is uh, 
1975 with Sidney Poitier for a kind of surprising anti-apartheid film called The Willby Conspiracy. Poitier. Kane. Together. The Willby Conspiracy. Either the cuffs come off tonight or the hands tomorrow. Sidney Poitier, the rebel. He was guilty of treason, yet they let him go free. The state is withdrawing its case. That was the start of the Wilby conspiracy. You've no chance without him, and he's no chance without you. Michael Caine, the outsider. Almighty God! What am I doing here? He didn't want to get involved. I don't know whether to shoot you or call the police. You'd better shoot me. Uh, I'm neutral. Until they made him a part of the Wilby conspiracy. I say, well, it's surprising to me anyway, because, I mean, at this stage, what what, what are you expecting? But I, this is actually, that was quite good. It's probably fine, wasn't it? What do you think of it? Yeah, after the run of movies that we've had or reviewed over the last couple of weeks, this is particularly kind of the strange sensation of trying actually relaxing in my seat, going, actually, this isn't going to be too bad. Yeah. Especially the first half hour is very, very pacey. There's a good bit of humour in it. Um yeah, it's great. It falls to pieces a bit in the middle t- and the last, the last, I suppose, the last third of the movie. But over, overall, I mean, it's, it's in no way a cult classic that we'd advise everybody to track down and immediately go, oh, how could this, how could people be, miss this, this, this classic from the King Canon? It's not that, it, but it's not, a, it's not, it's not like Z and Core or Play Dirty or any of these other movies. It's, it's, a, it's a genuinely not bad okay movie which is at this day after again after the last few weeks this is i I suppose pretty much a stunning endorsement it it's a stunning endorsement is the only word i mean this is a movie that didn't really it it ran sort of second billing in the in the theaters and at the time and eventually then a couple of years later was kind of shown a lot on tv particularly in america um but like it's yeah i mean to me it was kind of the kind of one that if i if if i came in on a saturday night at like two or three o'clock in the morning and i flicked on the tv and it was on and I was eating my kebab. I wouldn't turn it off. Like I'd leave it on. It's a few laughs, bizarrely, for an anti-apartheid t- film, a tense thriller trying to escape the clutches of the South African police. But a few laughs, a bit of japery, you know. Yeah, I mean, if one thing, uh, I think we can both agree that 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 Biko film really needed a lot more humor. Yeah, it did. It, need, it needed a bit of lightning. It needed a bit of lightning. Light- Lighten up, lads. It's, it's only apartheid. Relax. Did you not think, did you actually not realise you could actually make a kind of a planes, trains and automobiles type show <laughs> about anti-apartheid like Mick Cain and Sidney Poitier did in the 70s? You didn't do your homework. You didn't look at enough movies before you made this one. Clearly they didn't. No. Will I jump into the plot? Explain do, to please. people what's going on. So we go, we go quite quickly through this as quickly as we can anyway. Uh, there will be conspiracy. Okay, so... Sidney Poitier begins with his freeing from prison. He plays a character called Shaq Tuala. He's a black revolutionary. And his defense attorney is a girl called Rena, played by Prunella G. And she's seeing Kane's character, Jim Kyo. Of course, it's Kyo, but for all Irish listeners, it's Kyo. Uh, he's not too bothered about the case. So he's, he's in the courtroom, but he's just there to take her to lunch. And uh, But they end up going back to celebrate the verdict at her house. But along the way, they're stopped by the South African police. And it basically ends up with Poitier and Kane assaulting a couple of officers. So now, because it's apartheid, South Africa, they got to go on the run. Uh, so they're 
pursued by a guy, Major Horn, uh, played by Nickel Williamson. He's a Secret Service guy who figures out their route to Botswana and that they're looking for a stash of uncut diamonds to help fund the Black Congress Party and its leader will be Shaba. So, uh, Kane and Poitier end up at the sinkhole in the middle of nowhere where the diamonds are hidden and they get it out with the help of a dentist called Mukherjee and his assistant Ray. So they get them out, but then Ray uh, decides to kill Mukherjee because she wants to get out of South Africa with the diamonds. Kane fights Ray, gets the diamonds back. She ends up getting flung down the the sinkhole and Kane and Poitier escape. So in the meantime, Rena has has arranged for her estranged pilot husband, Blaine, who's played by Rooker Hauer, more of him and on, uh, to to fly them out of South Africa. So there's a chase. They make it to Botswana where Wilby is waiting but so too is Major Horn and the Secret Service goons so they grab Wilby who turns out was their original target all along and they try to get away back to South Africa with, with their prize catch in the helicopter but the locals pull the helicopter down and destroy it Horn is disarmed but he's still gloating because he's saying I'll be, I'll be safely repatriated back to South Africa and I'll you know, continue my pursuit of Wilby and Shaq and all the rest at which point the previously completely self-interested Alfie style Kane kind of just pulls out a gun and shoots him between the eyes. And that's the end of the movie. And it's kind of like the ultimate expression that in 1975, you know, apartheid eventually forces you to take sides, no matter how hard you try and avoid it. I think that's the kind of moral of the show. But it's it's a good, pacey kind of action movie, as Stephen said there, for the first 30, 40 minutes. Then you can see what it kind of comes apart in places. You can see why it didn't really have much of a longevity. But this, I mean, has to be said, this is a movie that, you know, there has been academic papers written about in the context of anti-apartheid movies and the depiction of apartheid in South Africa. So it was an unusual film for its time. Um, And yeah, that's that's pretty much it. What do you think of Our Man in it? I thought he was. I, I thought he was good. I think again, it's another example of him upping his game because of the people that he's acting against. For uh, sure, for sure. Yeah, Sydney Poitier, they're shooting in Kenya because obviously because of the content, they, the authorities wouldn't let them shoot in South Africa. Um, Sydney Poitier is uh, recognised everywhere they go in Kenya and is treated uh, like an acting god. And Kane is resolutely ignored, which he starts off thinking, "Oh, this is great," but then after a couple of days, realise, "Oh, <laughs> be treated like a normal person is shit." I, I want my preferential <laughs> treatment, and I want that now. So yeah, I think it's the usual thing. He's up in his game whenever he's on screen with Nick Williamson from uh, Excalibur, uh, one of yeah. my favorite, uh, top movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an appearance here and is excellent once he stopped doing his Australian accent and, accent yes. and managed to get the South African accent down yeah. as the movie seemed to progress mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a real like I, I'll be I'll be honest with you right Excalibur isn't quite my kind of movie so I would would not really have been aware of I recognised him when he came on screen but then it's an it, epic it's an yeah, epic movie. I, I know Why it's it? just I don't know it's, it's because it's not four hours long isn't it yeah it's a that's bit, the problem it's a bit snappy it's a bit snappy yeah. as an epic but like he he, he gets better and better as it goes on, I mean, he was a real actor's actor, wasn't he? That guy, like, I mean, John Osborne, who is in Get Carter, the writer, friend of Kane, called him the best actor since Marlon Brando. Beckett, Samuel Beckett himself, uh, said he was touched by genius. You know, he, was, he performed in Wayne and Forgot All. He did Hamlet in 1968, became a movie with Anthony Hopkins and Marianne Faithfull, and of course, Excalibur, as you say. So, I, you're also I, Spawn. Don't forget Spawn in the 90s. Who, how could we possibly forget? Um, Start alongside uh, Martin Sheen. That's right. That is right. That's a terrible film. 
It's a terrible film. It's the most nineties looking nineties film you could come across. <laughs> the the CGI in it is so so bad. Yeah, yeah. Even Nickel Williamson couldn't couldn't pull it out of itself. But like he he, uh, you're uh, yeah. It feels like it, doesn't it? I mean, anytime he's on screen with Poitier, he's clearly he's clearly up in his game. He's trying to punch this at the same weight as Poitier. To be fair, he holds his own, doesn't he? In his own cane way. And in one scene, he holds Poitier. Tell us more. Yes, absolutely. Yes, uh, and uh, again, a very appropriate scene in a in a, a movie with a strong anti-apartheid message. Um, Sidney Poitier is handcuffed and uh, needs to go to the uh, toilet at the side of the road because his bladder, um, the activity of his bladder has been affected by electroshock t- treatment he's received at the hands of the uh, South African Secret Police. Mm-hmm. But since he can't open his zip, um, he it's uh, Michael Caine is required in a hilarious moment of, uh, of slapstick to undo his zip and then obviously help little Poitier out uh, to get some fresh air and uh, relieve himself. Yes, exactly, exactly. Not quite chicka chicka wow wow. But uh, no, no, the, the chicka 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 wawa happens happens later in the movie. Yeah, actually, and you know, seeing as we mentioned the chicka chicka wawa, we may as well get to that straight away right now because, okay, so at this point they've 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 been chased to Cape Town, wasn't it, from Johannesburg to Cape Town or the other way around? It yeah, does, it, it's all yeah, it doesn't so, really matter. So so anyway, they're 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 they've made contact with um, Mukherjee, the dentist. And oh, but before that, before that, before that, you have to stay. They heavily imply how horny Steve. Uh, oh, how, sorry, uh, yes. Party as character. You know what? In this kind of disco scene, while he's getting yeah. he's getting a couple of ba- uh, he's getting a, ba- a plastic bag of beers off mm-hmm. a, a, a off a Congress party contact at this discotheque. Mm-hmm. And there's just these long lingering looks. He basically has the has the horn all the way across the, as he slowly walks across the dance floor. So they've established this is a man for whom prison has been uh, a very lonely experience, a very difficult experience. And go on, you 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 can take it from there. What happens next? Chicka chicka wow wow. The chicka chicka wow happens between um, Sydney Poitier's character and uh, uh, Dr. Mukherjee's wife. Is it or why? Well, I think she's no. I think think, no. She's just a dental. Mukherjee's a dentist. I think she's the dental nurse. They're both Indian, so you got again in the South African context, you've got this black Indian white whole thing going on. So essentially, there's there's a this a uh, very hot and sweaty sex scene that takes place in a uh, behind a cupboard where uh, a character is hiding while the secret police raid the, the the flat, and it is a bit real male fantasy, you know, lingering looks then resulting in a kind of what always happens in these situations. So you've just met somebody for thirty or forty seconds, they fall, uh, they also reciprocate your horn, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, Thus, they have what can only be called as very quiet uh, sex, Extremely because at the, at the same time, the secret police are looking for them within the within the the, the flat and the the dental office. Literally, we're talking about a shelf of files and some plywood between them and the South African secret police, and they are having what is. Uh, well, look, wild, wild, he's, but he's, silent he's, sex. he's been he's been what in prison for ten years. Yeah. Uh, okay. One can only imagine. One can only imagine that he's. It will not take long for uh, for him to. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ejaculate. Um, <laughs> okay, I sorry, I, I was expecting something far more um, sort of obtuse and almost possibly. No, 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 I decided. I decided, I decided very medical. Yeah, yeah, very medical. Yeah. Uh, so, can I imagine? It wouldn't take that long. Be also, there might be a kind of a. You would think so. Yeah, there was no, there, there was no all ad moment. Well, there was an all ad moment, but we didn't hear the all ad moment. Which, ah, look, I'm not, I'm not complaining. It was just very weird. It was just a very yeah. weird thing to do when your life is in mortal danger. Well, maybe it's, I don't know, I don't know. Look, it's a very weird thing to, to include. Again, it's, it's, it's it, this 
movie has real tonal issues. Like it's, it does. It doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't want to be a serious, uh, uh, med- meditative look at the, the issues with apartheid, not only between blacks and whites, but also between white South Africans in terms of what they think feel is best for the country. I mean, fuck that. I don't care. They did attempt that between the the Nicol Williamson's character and the the chief of police. Uh, yeah. They did try to start this debate about, oh, this isn't my South Africa. You know, this, I, I don't care. Get out. Yeah. yeah. I think I think to give it credit. It's the mid seventies, so in the mid seventies, it was a com- it was a good conversation to be having on screen when apartheid was raging. Looking back now, it's a bit yeah. Come on, let's get to the diamonds. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, like I mean, it's totally it's kind of funny. I th- I think it kind of pulls it off. We say it's funny because it goes off in an odd direction early doors. Like it's a proper like there's parts of it are proper old school road movie humor. You know, it's like as I said before there, it's like apartheid playing trains and automobiles, like with you know Steve Biko Martin and Johannes Gandhi, and they're you know they're on the road. They ha- there's a crash where the car is kind of upturned and the two of them come up. You know, like two kind of lemmings or something looking out over, look, look, looking out across the savannah. Like they just kind of, it's, it's just a comedy more. It's played for laughs completely and utterly. And even if oh, the, but that, that car crash is caused by uh, the lads having a, uh, again having a rake of beers mm, while driving the car and dozed and off hit, in playing trains yeah. and automobile style. Yeah, exactly. Right. So like it's 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 got that going on. And then on the flip side, you have, you know, lots of talk about torture and the realities of living in apartheid South Africa. And of course, obviously, loads and loads of racism directed in Poitiers direction. Um, so like, yeah, look, it, it's got all this stuff going on. I think it kind of look, there's, as we said, th- those reasons and there's other kind of continuity things and stuff that yeah, pull, pull the movie back. But yeah, yeah. And the diamonds and the whole reveal at the end that this is a master plan by the secret police all along that the diamonds were paced and they never bothered to have a look at that in the intervening years. Right. Yeah. Like, it was just uh, stretched credulity a little bit. Um, the bit where they, they hide the car by, uh, by the, by the, the village people uplifting mm. or lifting up the, the, the hut and putting it over the car. I thought was yeah. pretty good. Who knew, uh, who, and, who, and, who, who knew the village people were so, uh, were so kind of, you know, resourceful really. Who knew they could lift up the YMCA and put her over again? <laughs> exactly. Is that what you were looking for? Something yes, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, like it's, it's yeah. He's Kane is bigging it up now when he's playing opposite Poitiers. Of course, the, the director, going back to, again to your point, is Ralph Nelson, who won various, who directed various Oscar-winning films, including Lilies of the Field, who Poitiers won a, a Best Actor award for that and Oscar. Um, so, oh, well, actually, here's a, here's a bit of useless information, right? You remember all those years ago, Too Late the Hero? Yes. Uh, Kane in the Jungle with Cliff Robertson. Mm-hmm. And you remember yeah, yeah, that yeah. Cliff, Cliff Robertson won an Oscar? Yes. Uh, and he couldn't go to the thing because he was filming in the Philippines? Well, who directed that movie? The movie was Charlie. The movie was directed by Ralph Nelson, the same director as The Will Be well, Conspiracy. Holy so God. There you go. Circles within circles. But it's pure. Oh, by the way, did you notice again? A lot of groin-related violence. No, you, you are you. Well, is this is this uh, is this something in your personal life that maybe is dwelling in your mind a no, little bit? No, no, no. You remember from the Black Windmill episode I that do. the villain in that gets basically shot in the bars, right in the balls. Yes. Yeah, right in there, right, uh, and that's the that's the end of him. Well, in this one, they're chased by secret police at one stage, and they escape by basically using a cudgel and hitting the guy in the groin. Then Rutger Hauer's character, the pilot, is kind of being a bit kind of, un, he's kind of gone, I'm not going to help you guys at all. And Kane, who, by the way, what is he again? He's an architect or something, isn't he? Or an engineer. engineer. An engineer, yeah. Suddenly becomes like a crack shot and fires a fairly volatile machine gun um, 
in between, like at Howard, bullets hit him in between the legs again. The line, of course, being, you know, you want to make your next statement in Soprano. They had a few lines like that, actually, that they got the most out of as well. But there, I just just struck me there was a... So, so, uh, there was a reference, uh, Mukherjee refers to Che Guevara's foreskin. That's right. D- don't ask me what that was about, but yes, you're right, I remember that. So there was a lot so of... It was a, like a holy relic, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Stunt Kane, when I just want to think of it now, Stunt Kane, guy, completely black hair. Not at all looked like him. Not at all. Um, but yeah. Anything else you want to get through? Like, I mean, in terms the, of the movie, the, sink, the sinkhole base. We talked about yeah. the sinkhole where, where Kane has his Charlie Croker moment, where he's uh, because of his engineering background, he's able to come up with the best approach for descending it. Goes on about how it's it's you know it, it it's insecure and they have to be quite careful. And then once he gets to the sinkhole, proceeds to stomp all around the place looking for <laughs> yeah, the fucking diamonds. That's right. <laughs> that bit you mentioned where Ray goes on about the Indian plight within South Africa uh, and then 10 seconds later just pulls a gun and shoots uh, Mukherjee because she just wants the money. It's yeah. kind of, yeah. Um, what else do we have? Uh, do, 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 do. There's a lot of kinks in this movie well, I, like I, that. I, what, what, a lot of what kinks the like that. The, yeah, what's the fucking story with the magic d- uh, toe of death technique that the Secret Service guy employs on, on, on McCain in this mm. Mick, the the two lads break into the the Rooker Howard's flat where he's there with uh, Rena in the bath, and they threaten him and cajole him. And King leaves as he's leaving the room. Uh, one of the the security, uh, one of the secret police hangs in the door frame and kicks Kane square at the top of his back. He lands on the glass table without breaking it, and then That's tells right. him, "You're paralyzed. You can't move." Mm-hmm. And then after they you know threaten him further, he then puts his foot foot his back, gives him a couple of taps. Kill Bills, unkill Bills, and then yeah. your man's Kane's back. What the fuck was the point of that? <laughs> Who decided that this has any relevance to the fucking movie? There's loads of stuff like that in this, and it's the stuff that pulls this movie down from being really, really good to being just oh, what are you at? But look, it's just it's just part of the action. It's whatever your man finds a kind of a a soft spot in the spine and paralyzes him with a little, as you say, the toe of death. Yeah. But like Rita, when she's with her, with her, with her trying to escape from the the. Uh, the border police uh, yes. where they try to get to the uh, and they decide the best just what was the best distraction technique get rena to strip down to her uh, her bra and knickers so yep. that the lads are overcome with with i imagine the confusion and lust yes so that they don't uh they don't notice that the two lads are in the back of the jeep and they're able to you know yeah uh, surprise them and uh the most sorry, these border I'm, guards two lads seen... the back, and they managed to overpower them the most these border guards have seen in all the time on their thing is like you know, a few rutting wildebeest. So the, the sight of, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant skin in a Jeep careering across the savannah is the stuff of fantasy. What else are they going to do? They're going to tear yeah. after her and let the boys off. It's grand. It'll be fine. Loads of stuff like this that make absolutely no sense. Like uh, the final chase at the end when they're chased by these Do you, know, do you count how many, how many times Potier manages to overpower people by just walking slowly towards them? <laughs> Very good. Like he's this, yeah. he's he's been, uh, there's about three or four uh, times in this in this film where he, somebody has him at gunpoint and what is just edges slightly towards them and just punches them. Yes. Oh it's, yeah. At the end, at the it's end, when the, when the the South Af- like first of all, after uh, a helicopter and several uh, aircraft make an illegal incursion into Botswana airspace, mm-hmm. um, they. Helicopter lands in the village and it's all about set to. And, oh, oh, sorry, some troops as well and a couple of fucking, uh, a couple of lorries as well. They get a helicopter yep. in and they're about to fly off. Again, Poitier just walks towards a guy and just punches him. And then all the villagers <laughs> decide to hang off 
<laughs> and uh, Horn goes to shoot them, and the pilot goes, "No, you'll tip us over." <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Sorry, sorry. No, we're saying I can't shoot them because I you... them, but but we're fine with them just dragging us back down uh, to the point at which they will beat us, and they do beat yeah. us to death. To death, yeah. You'll tip us over, and you'll ruin the ending. Yeah. It's you know it's like that. We're just, at, at, it gets to that point where it just drags on a little bit too long at the end. Um, one of the I, I mentioned Rutger Hauer at the top. This is his first. It's actually his first English speaking role. Yes. Um, and he just. I mean, there's. No, I, I mean, he's not bad. He's fine. But it just struck me really strongly. He looks so like Matt Damon in Behind the yeah, Candelabra. That Liberace. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, just waiting for Michael Douglas to arrive. Whisk no, him off yeah. to Vegas. No, I very a very very handsome um young man, Rutger Hauer. Yeah. yeah, we will we will certainly be putting a picture up of Rutger uh from this from 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 this movie. He's strikingly uh strikingly Aryan looking, isn't he? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Heavy duty now, heavy duty. Um we're not gonna get into the um academic side of things, but if people are interested in going and uh reading about the Willby conspiracy in a more academic form, uh you'll find well there's two papers I found anyway, screening Saints and Sinners, the construction of filmic and video images of black and white South Africans in Western popular culture during the late apartheid era, written by Vivian Bickford Smith from November two thousand and one, and the other one uh is I'm looking through my notes frantically. Oh yes. The Willby Conspiracy, Action for the Sake of Politics. And this was written by Mary K. Gamal Orlandi. This is actually in May 1979. Uh, it was... Uh, I can hear the, the uh, listeners just switch off. Just switching. Oh, no, well, they're switching off to go find these things. They're fascinating, yeah. fascinating, fascinating. But look, the fundamental thing about all is like, look, these aren't movies that... It wasn't a very common thing to do to make a movie like this. And no, uh, the end... The, just say on the ending, just yeah. uh, once, you know, um, Michael Caine has... Again, characters show no interest really in getting involved, decides, okay, it's better to get involved than not get involved. And that's, you know, the message I think that you were saying. Mm-hmm. You can't stand in the sidelines of something like this. You have I to think it's I think that's what it is anyway. Yeah. Um, or don't go driving around in a Jeep in your underwear, otherwise you get sunburnt. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Or be subject to the unwanted detention of horny border border police. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that final the final line of the movie is him going, I think I need a lawyer. Uh, which isn't exactly Casablanca, really, is it? No. <laughs> It's not. It was, no. Like, no. We should probably draw the parallels between this and The Defiant Ones, which is another Pro Day movie where he's Indeed. on the run, uh, handcuffed to, to Tony Curtis, I think. I think you're right, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Just thinking, again, if this is some sort of bizarre sexual fetish that Sidney Poitier has, it's, you know, in terms of, like, for me, it's just to be handca- handcuffed, handcuffed in the proximity of, a, of another male actor. It's just, it's the one thing that can get me off. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Wouldn't be exactly. I wouldn't see it. It's very specific, and also you wouldn't really find yourself being fulfilled to that often. It's like once every twenty years. I think. Uh, I think. I think what he is an actor of great principle at this period in his career. I think everything yeah. he's done with a very strong. Read, read strong it. Read it. Read it. Read it in this. So, uh, a lawyer. Do you think? She, um, I mean, is there? A, do, do you think she moves back to South Africa and marries a Paralympian? Paralymp- <sighs> Rena. Yeah. Or maybe maybe has a daughter. Who marries yes, a Paralympian and also called Rena and oh my goodness gracious. McCain will probably turn up in a movie on that. I mean, he's still making them. I mean, we're 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 chatting about the Willby conspiracy, and there are still more McCain films coming out. It's amazing. Can I just ask him to just stop? Just give us a chance. We're barely we're barely yeah, hanging on us, here. You know what I saw recently of him just with Aubrey Plaza, and he's just spending most most of the scenes from the trailer, him in bed. 
it's yeah. literally they're just rolling them onto set, uh, getting mm-hmm. them to read and say the the lines are going to be taped onto the front of the camera or sorry <laughs> outside the camera. It's just get them closer, closer. Yes. Well, I think oh, this. I have a lot. I'm an old person, but I have a lot to teach you. <laughs> I may be grumpy, but my grumpiness uh, hides a uh, soft center, like uh, some sort of quality street chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I look. I look. I think in terms of the Wilby conspiracy, I think we're in. I think we are now in in classic mid seventies Kane. He looks like settled mid seventies Kane to me. You know, solid suit. The hair is crimped. You know, he's well bedded in as a man in his forties bit of safari chic all right in the middle he has a nice little bit of gear the comic time is there a little bit lots of slow talking pointing shouting it's all there yeah. it's, all, it's all there really isn't it all there plus being interested in acting yes yeah he sees the value in this one yeah it's got original odd couple stuff here Kane is good anything else anywhere else you want to go before we uh, before we uh, get to the old marks for Kane would you see this, Michael, as being penance, uh, Kane paying penance for going to South Africa to film Zulu at the start of his career? Ah, well, yeah, little, maybe a little bit, yeah. But I mean, it's it's, yeah, there's definitely parallels, isn't there? I mean, he went yep. he, he he went to South Africa at that time, saw how some of the the black labourers were treated by by their African masters, as it were, and and vowed never to go back to South Africa to make a, a movie again. So yeah, maybe there was something in the back of his head, going, yeah, this is an opportunity to you know poke one in the eye of the apartheid regime in South Africa. Yeah, I give him give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So two things. Uh, Saeed Jaffrey, who plays Mukherjee, the dentist, mm. uh, just of Gandhi fame and of My Beautiful Laundrette. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, uh, Persis Kambata, who plays uh, Ray in this. Yeah. Uh, former, Miss, former Miss World contestant. Really? Uh, yep. Yeah, um, yes. Was in a, I think, spent not a lot of career um, lobbying for Oh, no, hang on a second. Let me get this. Was uh, tragically involved in a very serious car accident a couple of years after this um, okay. and had a, developed a heart complaint after that and eventually died, I think, quite young. Oh, dearie me. That's a very... cheery, pe- cheer, cheery piece of uh, Delightful. factual it, entertainment. It, it, it actually crossed my mind. I mean, she's a very, she's a very beautiful woman. She actually yeah. she reminded me a little bit of Shakira, I have to say. Yeah. I know, I'm not saying Which one? Anything, Which but, one? Uh, Shakira. The, the primo, genuine, A1, A-grade Shakira the OG Shakira, the uh, Kane's misses, yeah, yeah, exactly. And obviously, I, and after such you know, kind of a, a sobering fact, we we do have to draw attention to the fact that Rena was played by Prunella Gee. I would say G. I'm not. I'm not giving you a ninch on that. Now we are not referring in any way to any form of Indian related food ingredients, which Prunella I presume Gee. is what you're making Prunella. a joke about there. Yes, it's. I'm uh, as always. My clarified butter jokes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't go over your head. Hit the spat. Hit the spat. Hit the sweet spot with the Prunella Gee. <laughs> right. What are you giving the great man for this one? I would give him six marks out of cane. Six marks out of cane. Normally I give this five marks out of cane, but I'm giving it an extra one because he's upping, upping his game against uh, Sidney Poitier and Nicole Williamson and also for the uh, social conscience that he's showing by taking the role. That's very think, kind of me, I guess. It's very maybe dis- I'm the real hero. Maybe I'm the real hero here. Maybe you, well, you know, you are to me. Always. Maybe I was the real hero all along. I think just, I think even to McCain, if he knew we were doing this, I think he would think that you were also the real hero to watch all of his movies all over again. Um, I think if yeah. somebody kind of ro- rolled him in a kind of a trolley and put it in front of a, of a, <laughs> of a laptop and just, yeah, maybe. 
he I think yeah I think I think he did I think there must have been part of him taking on this role as a sort of a, a social statement good on him and good on him and I would agree yeah six I would I would go yeah I'd be heading even towards a seven but I, I go with six sounds pretty good to me is we're kind of in the middle of kind of again it's place holding Kane isn't it we're kind of going through a bunch of movies here now that are sort of uh, some of them are terrible I, at least this one this is what I hope to get the odd time at least from this whole project was you'd stumble onto a movie that you'd never heard of before that was actually, you know, maybe even better than just good. But at this yeah. stage so far, I'm just glad to have found one that I'd never heard of before that I didn't come away from going, I don't ever want to see that again. Yeah, no, for me, it's the same. Uh, and I'm like, a, for me, it would be billion dollar brain. I, yeah. from, you know, another thing I'd stumble across late at night uh, and I'd, I would sit down and watch and similarly with this one. Yeah. Yeah, so let's see what's next. I mean, who knows? Who knows? So we're going to leave Kane in Kenya on a decent high, you know, quite pleased. I'm quite happy with that outcome. Now, next up... Box off, box office failure, but yeah. Oh, com- oh, yeah, complete box office failure. Didn't, as we said at the top, wasn't top billing in any of the theatres. Um, get decent enough reviews. Paulie and Kale gave it a good review. Yeah, it was kind of reasonably well received, but it just didn't really... When it, I suppose when it didn't get the big... When it didn't get the big release, it didn't really make landfall with the public. Um, but... And look, it's completely disappeared. We don't see it anywhere anymore, really. I've never, I've never even heard of the bloody thing. Um, anyway, here's another one I'd never heard of before. Uh, this one next up is the romantic English woman. Where were you? I was in the bar. I've been calling for half an hour. I fell asleep in the bar. Elizabeth? I'm coming home, Lewis. Tomorrow. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I, look, I know nothing about this apart from the fact that Glenda Jackson is in it. Kane reckons that he was never so miscast in a role. And also, Glenda Jackson, according to Kane, spent a lot of time walking around the set in the nude, which completely freaked our man out. He just didn't know what was going on. So, we'll go and have an old goo at that. Indeed. So, we will. Uh, yes, we, can. It, we will. We Look will, at certainly. It. That's we will. Part and parcel. We, will have, we will stream it, download it, look at it, pass judgment on it. Yes, and come back and tell you all about it and look if you want to go and find it it's out there I'm sure I haven't even gone to look at it I'm thinking, it's out there online I have no idea I presume it is at the very least there'll be a trailer that'll give you a sense of it and if you don't find the thing no worries we're going to walk you all the way through the romantic English woman um, yeah that's where we're at yeah I was kind of hoping it was a Margaret Thatcher biopic but it's not the romantic English woman a little bit early for Maggie well, maybe it was something that happened to her in her youth that you know that turned turned her the way that she uh, would become in later life. Maybe she was quite the the uh, English rose when she was a young girl, but perhaps some swain uh, broke her heart. Probably, probably a trade union member, uh, yeah. and uh, wrecked her for love for the rest of her life. Could have been. Do you know what? Again, it's a bit like we've done this a couple of times now on these shows. We're coming up. We're coming up with better ideas for these movie titles than that, that they young, actually are in reality. Young Thatcher. Netflix, pay me money. <laughs> okay, Stephen, thank you very much. Ah, uh, Maggie, <laughs> I must away to I must away to Spain to join the Communist Party because, again, I don't know whether or not the Spanish Civil War is still going at this time. Probably not because that was in the thirties. Oh my God, he's going to be on about this all the way through the next episode as well, isn't he? <laughs> you know what they say, Maggie? If, if there's Thatcher on the roof, there's Thatcher on the garden. God, God <laughs> Almighty! I don't even know why I'm asking you this, but you can can you can you tell the people where they can contact us if they're interested in learning more? <laughs> if, if you're interested in learning more, you can follow us at Mark Kane Two on Twitter. Uh, as always, like uh, and subscribe on the usual platforms. Uh, if you have any questions, 
rarely get them. It's usually you made an offer, balls of this. Yeah, yeah we, get, we get a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, clarifications, although those really aren't the questions that we that we that we want to get. But yeah, anything at all, just up yep. on Twitter, and we'll see you again next time. All right, listen, go and go find the Wilby Conspiracy. I could definitely recommend to go and have a look for the Wilby Conspiracy. Uh, Again, we're going to... why, would you, why would you listen to this before watching it, you fucking maniac? You should watch what? it before you listen to it so you can participate uh, participate passively. We're just naturally... Much like the women in this movie. The lads are here for the chat. It's like over. It's like eavesdropping on a good pub conversation. That's what they're here for. Anyway. The booze, basically. We're going to go and find the romantic English woman, after which I would get a feeling we're going to need booze, but we're going to find out. Anyway, okay, see you next time. Bye. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe. And maybe leave a comment. Only nice ones, though. Mean comments will make Alfie cry, and no one wants to see that. The Marco Kane podcast is written, researched, and presented by Stephen Black and Michael Foley, and edited by Andrew Foley. Music is composed by Stephen Black. If you'd like to get in touch, you'll find us on Twitter at, at Mallow News and at Marco Kane 2. And if you enjoyed this episode, you'll find all the rest wherever you get your podcasts. Mark of Kane is a Mallow News 2 Cubes production. See you next time.